Hey, back for a new episode here on the podcast, The Culture Conversation. I'm your host, uh, Twin GQ. Today, we're joined by a special guest um, hailing from Scarborough, Ontario, um, Ontario's first official poet laureate, um, the creator of Rise, uh, my man, Randell. What's up, man? Thank Good you for here, coming man. through, bro. You already know. It's been a blessing, man. Know, man. Yeah, man. So today we wanted to kind of focus on, you know, talking a little bit about your story. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've been dedicating a lot of your, you know, youth and, you know, adult years to kind of uplifting kids in the community. So we're just going to kind of tap in and, you know, have you share your experience with that. For sure. Um, I mean, firstly, it's definitely been a journey. And I think for many of us, we have our own journeys. We have to, you know, walk and navigate. There's a lot of forks in the road along the way, but I think the forks in the road are lessons that are really, you know, meant to help support, teach, uh, guide us and offer us some wisdom at the end of the day, you know? So, um, but it's, it's definitely been tough, you know, from, from being young and dealing with my own issues and whatnot, uh, getting in trouble in school, getting in trouble with the police at a young age. And I think just having a, a teacher, you know, that grade eight teacher that I had, who really helped me around the time that I met you at the Y, you know? Yeah. Um, I met you at the Y because I went to that school with Jordan and, okay. and, and uh, Kevin and those guys, right? Yeah. Uh, Devo. So, you know, that teacher really opened my eyes to what was possible. And then I think from there going to MT, Mother Teresa, you know, for ball. Uh, but I went there for ball, but I left, you know, with a different hat on. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was a really crucial period in my life you know just being around certain people learning certain things and then the things you learn from basketball that are applicable off the court also mm -hmm. really, really supportive too and bigger than that was probably recognizing that i lived in a place um, in scarborough with all the challenges going to a school in malvern all the challenges at the school and just thinking what could i do to really give back in a way what could i do to you know share the things i've learned and help the next generation not have to go through some of those things. So uh, along the way, you know, I've had my my challenges with, with life and uh, difficulties, but I think more than anything in anyone's journey and anyone's story is, you know, really getting to a place of asking yourself, what is your purpose? Like, what are you here to do on earth? We all have a purpose. We all have something to offer, you know, to give to the world, the gifts, the talents we've been given. And I think it's really Im important to get to know yourself. And that was a big part of my journey, getting to know myself. But to get to know myself, I had to, lo I had to lose myself to find myself, you know. And uh, I think from there, I just really dedicated myself to community service and giving back. And there's a lot to share, man. Yeah, but, uh, it's crazy because yeah. we uh, obviously the infrastructure of Scarborough has changed tremendously over the years. So for yourself, like what was your early upbringing like? Obviously we talked about sports and being able to go to community centers where we could share a passion like basketball and mm -hmm. you know socialize with people at our own age group that were going through similar struggles. So kind of talk a little bit about your upbringing and your early influences to sport. Mm -hmm. uh, sport was just a getaway, man. Basketball is always a, a getaway. You know, me, the ball, the rim was just an opportunity to kind of let go of the things I was going through. And the community I grew up in, I grew up in OP most uh, for a couple of years and OP was tough. Like mm. I remember the first day I moved there, um, you know, so there was a, a violent situation that took place. And I feel like um, the infrastructure itself wasn't necessarily conducive. Like many of us who made it out, it's kind of like the roses that grew from concrete, you know? Mm. We, had to, we had to find a way, even when we weren't supposed to thrive, 
we found a way to to overcome to bloom and blossom in, in some way shape or form you know um so you know scarbo's changed in in in, in many different ways, but I'm really grateful for having community centers, having the why, like the why was huge for me, man. Like mm. as little as, although I wasn't, I didn't, I actually never had a membership. <laughs> I never had a membership, Yeah. but I just found a way to get in because I needed to be there. You know, yeah. I needed to make some, certain connections and learn certain lessons. Yeah. Uh, having those mentors who was coaching us and playing ball. Uh, but I, I, I really attribute a lot of my growth to opportunities in Scarborough. Mm. And because of what those opportunities provided me, that's essentially why I'm like, yo, I gotta do this too. You know, mm. somebody, there's another, I was telling you earlier, there's another Randell and there's another Hussein. Yeah. And if I could provide an opportunity, I think um, there's something really powerful about that. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. just really being able to create some sort of foundation for another generation to absolutely. To and I feel like paying it forward is, you know, our dues that we pay. You get what I'm saying? Because, you know, we had our forefathers or, you know, the community leaders that kind of invested their time and their service for us to not go down the same path that they did. Mm -hmm. You know, so I feel like with, with community service, especially, um, you know, through sport, um, I mm -hmm. feel like that's my connection to, you know, giving back to a community. You do it through art, exactly. right? So it's like you said, finding your, your purpose and your way to kind of express yourself and you know just kind of teach lessons to these guys because although they are surrounded by you know negativity drugs poverty you know you got to really find you know the like you said the seed of opportunity totally. in your challenges totally and figuring out a way to kind of rise above that exactly so um we're gonna really talk about your your influence of you know art where did that come from at mm -hmm. a young age I always loved writing, you know, when I was young, even when I was in grade one, uh, I remember just writing and journaling more than anything. And so uh, basically what happened was I, I found poetry through, I got kicked out of my school the very first day of grade eight. Yeah. Uh, the principal found out that I moved to a new neighborhood. I was probably one of the more troubling kids in the school. So she yeah. found that out early and she transferred me from GB Little and I went to Henry Hudson. And that was a blessing in disguise, man. You know, that, that teacher, you know, she had a record of all the things I'd done, all the challenges, all the rest and everything. And instead of judging me, labeling me, she gave me a pen. She asked questions, you know, she said, tell me your story. Gave me a pen, gave me a paper. And I was able to really tell my story. And I remember reading the poem and just like, damn, like this is, this is amazing. I, did, I couldn't even believe that I went through this stuff at one point, wow. you know, and I think yeah. art, and something I've been saying is like, you know, the pen helps you tell the story, but the paper listens. And for the first time, the paper was the first thing that ever listened to me because I was a bad kid. So nobody wanted to hear me out, you know. Mm. And when you're that kid, you're the one that is often labeled and sometimes demonized. Yeah. And so that teacher, that paper, that pen was my first start into poetry and writing. And I think I dropped it because of ball and... I picked it back up again in grade 11 after I got, I, uh, I got, I, I did make the team in grade 11. And so that's when I got back into, into poetry. You know, yeah. I found another passion. I kept playing ball, um, but just not in school. Um, and yeah, you know, the sky, things really kind of started to take off. I put it down again, yeah. but art has been that way. You know, art yeah. tells, helps us tell our story, helps us kind of deal with trauma, challenges, things mm -hmm. like that. So yeah. And it's, it's been a it's been a very powerful journey with art. Ever yeah, since. and it, it seems like it's more of when I I guess I get this vibe when I see your videos, it's more like therapeutic. 
Very much so. You know, you, you really share and, you know, a state of vulnerability, which I think is commendable. Um, but also, you know, just tapping into your soul. Mm. You know what I mean? So I feel like the power of words are, are very important, especially, you know, like I said, when you're used to being around people that, you know, are not conscious about, um, you know, negative self-talk mm. and and you know when you're around people that are not abundant exactly they place their projections onto you absolutely you know so sometimes being around an abundance or people that speak highly about themselves that kind of translates to you mm. you know and we we talk about you know your events you do with rise and mm -hmm. you know i've seen sometimes you you know i'm not my struggle mm -hmm. so talk mm -hmm. about the importance of you know really championing that message for the future generation I mean, words are powerful, you know, words are very powerful and something, uh, the reason why I really love poetry is because you get to create realities with words, you know, you get to create a reality of your own experience, your own lived experience, or even if not that, just an opportunity to reflect mm. on what you've been through. So when I think about uh, like the quote, I am not my struggles, it's a reminder to even the 13 year old me, the 16 year old me, the 19 year old me just going through different periods of challenges in my life where I just recognize that just because you go through this thing, it doesn't necessarily mean that's who you are or that you don't have to be defined by that thing. You know, mm. if anything, those things can help build you. They can prepare you for the next journey. So, you know, just the I'm not my struggles is just a reminder to us all, an affirmation to us all mm. to reclaim our words. Like, as you know, life and death can be found in the tongue. And so I think it's important for a lot of us to be very mindful of the, the words, even in our minds, you know yeah. what I'm saying? The internal conversation we have inside of our heads and yep. especially what you speak, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's, the, yeah, poetry is cathartic. Um, and I think it's, it's just important for us to recognize just like the opportunity we can have to create and recreate mm. our realities with our words. Yeah, so uh, with Rise, obviously, um, you know, you started that in 2012. Mm -hmm. So where where has the time kind of went? Like from when you started it, what was that process of culminating an arts organization for the youth, <laughs> creating a safe space? Like, what was that like trying to put it together at that age? It was hard, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard, but beautiful. Um, and I think nothing, you know, nothing, uh, nothing, greatness doesn't come out of ease. You know, greatness actually come like you, that, that phrase pressure builds diamonds. And so I remember when I first got started, the first group of people I, I wanted to go with, they weren't down. The second group, they weren't serious. The third group, they weren't serious. But when you have a vision, you really have to pull through with your own vision because you can't see my vision. I can't see yours. It's your vision. You know what I'm saying? So I had to just keep pushing and keep recognizing that I don't see it physically manifested but I seen it in my heart. I seen it in my spirit. And it's, it, there's a quote that says, faith is taking the first step without seeing the mountain ahead. So you know you're going to get to the top of the mountain, but you have to take that first initial step. You have to take the risk, you know? Mm. So really building it was like just learning, getting some mentorship from, you know, mentors I've had like Mark Stoddard and a bunch of different individuals who just wanted to help me build the vision. Uh, but the challenges were just around being a leader, and learning how to how to navigate a team, uh, I'm a leader that often um, is a leader by example. Mm. But to delegate had its challenges, not having the money to do it. But the beautiful thing is, I think when you're following your purpose, the universe will literally bend down to ensure you get to where you need to get to because the universe is ensuring that we're get we're doing what we need to do, you know. And so 
despite the challenges, it made things uh, more worthwhile. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. after I overcame one hurdle, I'm like, man, I could, I could, I could keep doing this. <laughs> yeah, you know? absolutely. So, uh, but yeah, you know, in terms of building an arts organization, it, it requires a lot of consistency. You know, the one thing is to being consistent. We did that every Monday, mm -hmm. and then we meet on Tuesdays and Sundays, and you know, I, I became Rise. I did Rise, and I think when it comes to also building an arts organization, it's just understanding the need. Anything we do in life, something I did is something called design thinking. Mm. And design thinking is about, we often want to create solutions, you know, we want to change the world, but in order to change the world, you have to really learn to love the problem. You know, I think it's important that you learn to love the problem, who's impacted by the problem, mm. how people are impacted, who benefits from the problem, what the problem is, like really getting to the root of the problem. Because I think once you get to the root of it, what you're really able to do is create a solution that's long lasting, mm -hmm. a solution that you've done your research, yep. you've done the work behind it. So that's why I think it was able to sustain because I went to the community and I said, yo, what do you guys need? What safe space look like for you? And so that's why people still mess with it because it's a, it's, it was created with all of us in mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, obviously now you've identified uh, enormous amount of partnerships, mm -hmm. um, you know, Manifesto, the City of Toronto, mm -hmm. uh, University of Toronto. So how does that process look like when you're identifying partners to kind of, you know, come on board and support what you're doing? And how do you know that if it's, you know, it's genuine and it's not just to kind of check off a box? Uh, that's a very good question. I think when it comes to partnerships, it's probably even important to create a partnership manifesto. As far as, as an organization, these are our values, our vision, our mission. This is what we're looking to do. This is where we're looking to go. And in doing so, really creating a partnership manifesto as far as we'll partner with an organization if this, mm. if that, if this. Okay. And if it doesn't follow that criteria, then you know you, scr you scratch it. Okay. And not every opportunity is the right opportunity either. So when it comes to partnerships, just really doing your research, doing your due diligence, but also understanding it's a partnership. You know, What do you get out of it and what are you putting into it as well too? And so that's really important. And I think the last thing is uh, I made a lot of mistakes making partnerships where people were benefiting more than we did. Uh, but at the same time, I learned from those lessons. You know, I learned from the, the people who took advantage of what we were doing. Um, you know, that's their karma. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's their karma absolutely. at the end of the day. I just, I just stick to what, what I know best and what I do best. And then always just making sure that you, you cover your bases, you know? Like, do it right. Do yeah. it right the first time. Absolutely. Get it in writing, you know? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, especially when you've put down the groundwork to build a reputable brand, right? You don't want to just kind of throw that to the side because, you know, you made a decision with a partner that doesn't really fit, exactly. you know, and it's kind of off brand. So, um, you know, now that you're in a position where you're working, you know, with Ontario mm -hmm. um, on the poet side, mm -hmm. uh, kind of just talk a little bit about what the roles and responsibilities are mm -hmm. for you going forward. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, the Poet Laureate of Ontario is the first, the first one. So it's actually very interesting because I have this opportunity to create what I, mm -hmm. what it can look like. Congratulations, by the way. That's, appreciate that's that, big. Man. That's Thank big, you, bro. man. Appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Every day it's, shoot, I'm the Poet Laureate of Ontario, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it's beautiful because the idea is I get to create what the legacy of it looks like. Mm. I get to work with them and collaborate on building it. Nice. They trust me, you know, so nice. at the end of the day, there's a lot of freedom, a lot of free reign to make some things happen. But on the day to day, there's a lot of, you know, just a lot of calls, managing the website. Mm. Um, I've been working with a lot of other poet laureates across the province because nice. 
I'm the poet laureate of the province, but there's poet laureates in different cities and townships. Okay. So I've been connecting with them just to, you know, get some ideas about how I can support. I don't, I don't know what's going on in Coburg. I don't know what's going on in Kingston. Yeah. So if that's the case, let me talk to you, figure what's going on yeah. and then, you know, see what we could do to at least bolster poetry in that community. Right. Yeah. Um, and I guess like really in addition to that, there's been a lot of people reaching out to do stuff. And so it's just, it's interesting because again, about partnerships, it's understanding the angle with which everyone's trying to come at. Yeah. But my, my main thing is elevating the profile of poetry, mm. poets and artists in, this, in, the, in the province and really doing what I can to work with different ministries, work with different organizations to ensure whether it's uh, funding, whether it's opportunities, whether it's creating the opportunities that, you know, at the end of the day that they exist, you know, because for me, um, also the color of my skin, sometimes we got to work a little harder, you yeah, know, to be in these absolutely. positions. So I want to make sure by the end of the two years, like people are like, damn, you did all that in two years. Like that's really the goal, you know, yeah. um, with all humility, I just legacy, man. Like that's all it comes down to legacy, yeah. you know, just, just making your, your mark. Yeah, absolutely. And um, especially in a, you know, a space where there's not a lot of representation, you know, it, it's it's of us to take that pride and really kind of use it. You know, we're in this position for a reason, you exactly. know, and we got to like plant our seeds exactly. for our flowers to grow. Exactly. You know, so um, can you kind of like describe the artist landscape in Toronto? Mm -hmm. How like how do you feel the landscape is in comparison to other cities out there in Canada? Well, first things first, I'll, I'll speak on some of the positives because we're one of the only uh, in Canada, we're one of the only countries. And I think in Toronto, we have one of the largest um, arts councils in Toronto and in, mm -hmm. in Canada. So to have an arts council that you can apply for money as an artist is a great thing, um, because in the States, that's not necessarily so you got to get a sponsor yeah. and it's business relationship, you know, where right. they're benefiting. Don't get me wrong. This is still a business relationship because it's a transaction. Right. Mm -hmm. But it just has a different guys um, behind it. So. I think in, 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 in Canada and Toronto, we have a really beautiful, uh, really beautiful opportunities. We just don't have the infrastructure. Yeah. So I also sit on the Toronto Music um, Advisory Committee. Nice. And so I get to kind of understand what's happening with music specifically in the province and obviously poetry as well. And so I just think we're, we're kind of behind because there's something lacking when it comes to the, uh, the number of like, I got, you know, a couple of my friends are in the industry Toby, Lou, yeah, they're in this, they're they're in LA, LA. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Absolutely. And, and uh, these are people really talented, but there's too many gatekeepers here in this in the, in this country and in this city. Mm -hmm. The other challenge about it is we talk about like hip hop. Hip hop does numbers, mm -hmm. you know. Hip hop does numbers. Yeah. Uh, R and B does numbers, but the problem is we live in a a, a market that is more folk music, mm -hmm. more country, country music, yeah. you know, and so. Um, Sometimes it, hold, it holds us back from really being able to monetize and capitalize on the opportunities. Mm -hmm. But I do think every year there's at least one out of the city for, for me for the past five years that's like coming up and making it, you know, from, yeah. from Toronto too. Absolutely. A lot of surprising people out there like yeah. really killing it right now, you know. So I, I feel good about it for the future. Mm -hmm. But I think we, as people who are in the music industry like myself, we really have to do our part to build uh, to break down the gate yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then open the gate and just say, yo, come through. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because some people just want to say, nah, like only these guys, but yeah, why not? For sure. You know, in the States, is, there's, there's artists in the States making a million dollars that you and I have never heard of, yep. you know, but 
why can't we do it here? Yeah, and, um, you know, you look at uh, Atlanta as a, I'll use a prime example there where you can have little baby, Gunna, you know, um, Young Thug, yep. Future, and all of them are collaborating on projects mm. and they're getting in-house producers and, mm. you know, underground artists. And mm. that is, you know, a thing, it's normalized. Whereas, yeah. you know, here, like you said, it's a specific group, yeah. right? So, you know what, it comes back down to having the right leaders at the table, exactly, right? And having yourself on the mm -hmm. Arts Council and, mm -hmm. you know, the Music Advisory Board, you're doing mm -hmm. the part, right? But we need more of Randells out there, you know, so, you know, future going forward, hopefully, things will kind of change that way because yeah. I feel like especially with you know the entertainment scene mm -hmm. going crazy the last five years mm -hmm. you know we shouldn't only have two top artists and then all these other underground artists are just you know not even you know being heard exactly you get what I'm saying exactly because exactly. you know you you and I probably know a lot of great artists like mm -hmm. you said just never ever get you know the opportunity to kind of showcase their skills you exactly. know so yeah. going forward with you know music um what are some things you would like to see in the industry yeah, I'd like to see, as you said, more of us work together, you know, because mm. I remember going to Atlanta, bro, and the Southern hospitality is real, man. Yeah. I went there for a music conference, the A3C Festival, and you could see like there's a certain camaraderie, you know, people just really coming together to support each other. And so, you know, that's this generation in Atlanta, but there was the Brat, there was Jermaine Dupree, wow. there was... Um, uh, Usher, there was Outcast, so they were all working together. Janelle, Monet, they're all working wow. together too. And they're all from Atlanta. Yeah. You know, but I think something about the city here, and I hear about it, not just in the art sector, is we're kind of divisive in the city, you know? It's like, you're over there, I'm over here, you know? Mm. And I think one of the challenges with that is that we don't get that far, you know? If we, there's an African proverb that says, you know, if you walk alone, basically says, if you walk alone, you'll get there. But if you walk together, you'll get further. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And so um, I think that's what we need in the city. We just need to find more ways to collaborate. collaborate. And that's why organizations like Rise are really important because it at least puts artists in the same room, mm -hmm. at least puts artists on the same radar with one another. And so that's what I really would like to see. One, one us working together more. Two, I think corporations could really benefit, you know, from supporting artists. Mm -hmm. And so you know, our book, my booking agency, really what I'm trying to do is connect artists to different companies and organizations where they can really make money, not just $100 or like 500 for performance, but yeah. they can make some better money to support um, themselves, to support themselves yep. you know, create content, creating, mm. you know, so that's what I'm, I'm really working on doing myself, just so artists aren't relying on just the music to make money, but they can build a brand behind them, have the marketing behind them so that they can at least, you know, really break, break ground. Yeah, so obviously all the immense success that you've accumulated thus far, do you ever feel like there's like a pressure on you to be like, you know, the savior yeah. per se? Or, you know, sometimes you feel like, damn, like there's pressure on me to really change things, you know, given there's only one of you. So mm. it might take more than one of you to change problems mm -hmm. like you discussed. But how do you feel? Do you feel like sometimes you have that, uh, you know, that that weight on your shoulder to kind of, take a lot of people to the promised land? The pressure is interesting. You know, the pressure is interesting because one, I recognize the pressure that's been put on me. So I, I, I do my best not to own this pressure, you know, because it's how other people see me and what they think I can do for them, you know? Um, so when it comes to the pressure, I do feel it sometimes, especially because I wear different hats. At the same time, uh, as I said earlier, pressure builds diamonds. And this opportunity, the pressure that I, that I feel and face it's only going to make me a better person it's going to make me stronger and wiser so i welcome the pressure you know i welcome it 
uh, welcome it with open arms. But I also recognize the pressure is not self, it's like self-inflicted. You know, it's, it's up to me if I listen to it, it's up to me if I think that it's daunting. Um, but I'm no one's savior. <laughs> I'm here to do what I was brought here to do. Mm-hmm. And whoever benefits along the way, great. And if whoever doesn't, that's great too, because there's someone else that's there to help, but I'm no one's savior, you know? And, yeah. and I think I had to realize that for myself, you can't help everyone and that's okay. Yeah. yeah. So how do you, um, you know, what advices do you give to the future generation of youth that, you know, was just like you at 13, you know, it's kind of stuck in a transition of figuring out what your life purpose was. How do you find yourself at that age with not so much resources around? What advice would you give to him? Uh, one, the first thing that comes to mind is understand the hardships are not happening to you because of you. They're not happening to you because you deserve or because you did anything bad, you know, like the hardships I went through wasn't because I was a bad person. You know, you don't go through hardships because you're bad. Hardships don't discriminate, you know. Hard, uh, adversity doesn't care how much money you have in your pocket. Uh, hardship and challenge don't care if, if you're a good person or if you're nice to your mom, like, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't mm-hmm. care. At the end of the day, it's gonna happen. And the advice I would give is if it's, if it's inevitable, if you're gonna face hardship anyways, what can you learn from it? How can you grow? How can you be a better person, you know? Because what I feel like the hardship does, you know, if you take a tree, for example, right? Or we take this, let's say this chair, even this table, you know, this table that we're looking at, this table right here, before it was what it was, this table had to be, was a tree that needed to be cut. And that tree got cut and then it got carved and then it got molded and then it got sanded down. But eventually, you know, it has its purpose right now. And I think for many of us, hard pe- uh, many of us, you know, we have to get cut sometimes in life. Sometimes you get cut down, but you refine your purpose somehow, some way, because, you know, um, hardship is just one of those things that we have to learn to embrace. You know, that's the first piece of advice I would give. The second piece of advice is never take anything personal. You know, um, at the end of the day, people are going to project their own things onto you, but you can't take that personally because I think a lot of people take it and then they, they wear it and you don't necessarily have to do that. Um, the third piece of advice I would say is that don't be defined by the hardships that you go through. You know, they don't, they don't define you at all. And then the fourth thing I would say is really about uh, understanding your legacy, understanding that tomorrow isn't guaranteed, you know? Tomorrow could be the day. So what can you do today to really make the most of the day? What can you do to leave an impact on the world? that when you are no longer here, that the world can say, I, I got to benefit because that person was alive, you know? Mm-hmm. And the last thing I'll share is um, just around mindfulness, you know, being mindful. And mindfulness to me is just about the idea of being present in, in the moment and being uh, present to a situation that's taking place. And so there's a, a coach, a mindset coach that, that his name is Jim Quick. Mm. And so he coached someone like Will Smith. And he asked Will Smith, what's your question? Like everyone has a question, you Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Your question is for why you wake up in the morning, for why you get excited about doing something, for what keeps you up at night, you know what I'm saying? Everyone has their question for what keeps them going. And so Will Smith's question was basically around the ideas, how can I make this magical moment more magical? That was his question. Because he recognizes the moment itself is magical but I can add my own magic to make it magical as well too. Mm -hmm. And so it really makes me think 
about a guy like Will Smith because he was explaining that Will Smith is, yes, he's the star on the movie, but behind the scenes, he's a guy bringing donuts, bringing water, yeah. taking care of the janitors, asking everyone, are you okay? How can I help? You know, that's his way of bringing more magic. But everyone has their own question. And I think the piece of advice is find your question. You know, find that question that keeps you going every day. Uh, my question personally is, what kind of ancestor do I want to be? You know, because one day I know I'm not going to be here. One day I'm going to pass. And my question is, what kind of ancestor do you want to be? You know, how do you want your great, great grandchildren to look at your life and what you did while you were alive? So um, that's my question. And that's the, the five pieces of advice I would give to the young generation coming up, because I know they got it a little diff more difficult, you know, mm. easier in some ways, but difficult, but difficult yeah. in other ways than we did, you know? Um, I can't imagine growing up, you know, right now around COVID and can't go to school, what? Yeah, that nah, would, uh, <laughs> yeah. No. Socialization, will be going through it. God, no YMCA, we, oh man. I can't even imagine that, yeah. that, that just the thought alone hurts. So I yeah. give it up to them, because sure. I think, you know, these young people are also built a lot of resilience you know, through this time, hopefully through this time too. So, uh, but yeah, man, uh, there's so much more I would say, but you know, just leave it to that five. Yeah, five. for sure. Yeah. It, it's dope. Um, I actually want to ask you like one last question in terms sure. of like rise, like, mm -hmm. like if you can, you know, if you have any upcoming projects that we should be yeah. on the outlook for, you can yeah. kind of share it like that or, for sure. for you know, sure. if you have anything that you want to kind of <laughs> promote or whatever you got to in, in your mind. Definitely. I mean, essentially if there's any artist or any, um, you know, parents or uh brothers family members friends who who know artists just know there's a weekly platform that we have every monday night right now it's on zoom but every monday night we have something going on um, and it's an opportunity just express you know do what you do but uh, a major thing that i'm kind of excited about is we're working on our next year's our 10-year anniversary so we're working on a 10-year documentary wow, um, this is just really to uh you know just highlight the work that's been done over the last uh last decade and um that's really exciting I, I, I gotta say that's really exciting um yeah there's a lot going on with rise man we we uh another project i'm happy to talk about just because you know um some of the work we're doing is uh is really dope so with art and poetry and music you know there's an opportunity to really create uh educational opportunities right and educational resources so we're working with um this company to really help young people learn more about the law through art so you know uh jay-z had 99 problems that taught you if you got pulled over how to navigate getting pulled over and so just looking to create music like that poems like that that can help teach young people about the law because like for me i only learned about the law after i got involved in the law and most people you only learn about the law after you get caught up in it no one really oh what's the law i don't want to get arrested like yeah. you know what i'm saying it doesn't work like that you know it should, but it doesn't work like that. So that's a project I'm really excited about because um, it's it, it, it would have been something the 12-year-old the Randell could have really benefited from. You yeah. know? So, lesson um, learned, though. Lesson learned, man. Yeah. And I think, again, me going through the police and the criminal justice system is what allows me to do things like this and go back and speak. So I don't regret anything I've been through in my life, man. You know, And I don't think we should live a life where we regret because you know, what you go through is is... is it happens for a reason. Absolutely. Well, you know, um, to everybody out there, um, I want to personally take the time to, you know, commend you and salute you for your continuous work throughout the communities. And like I said, you have inspired me to to do my part in my community through through sport and, and mentorship. And 
you know, like I said, there's other kids out there that needs to be active in the community. So I just wanted to say for you, you're an inspiration, bro. And just keep doing what you're doing, man. I appreciate that, man. For sure. So we're, we're going to be checking out and uh, just tell the, everybody where they can follow you at on social media. Sure, for sure. I'm, uh, you can follow me at uh, Randella J. Everything's Randella J. R-A-N-D-E-L-L-A-D-J-E-I. Um, and uh, you can also follow me on our, our new Poet Laureate website. It's called OntarioPoet.org. So you can check that out. Some of my poetry is on there too. You can find out a little bit more about the position. And whatnot. Yeah. You can get a spoken word real quick. You got you got yeah. something in the bag? Sure, I got something. Um, yeah. Just trying to think of what would, uh, what would be the best. Um, just trying to pull something, pull a little piece of something. Um, I'll do, I'll do, there's so many, there's a few I'm thinking about. I'm just trying to decide which one I do. Yeah, no worries. Um, sure. I'll do this piece. <laughs> if you walk the mile in my shoes, you know, my souls can never be defeated. I've got new balances. They can't tie me in a race. I stand tall while they stay seated. I'm 10 toes down above these concrete streets reaching for higher feats, because I know I'll meet death again soon, but much later. My mother resurrected this rotten apple and my poetry and I are the fruits of her labor. These lines are praiseworthy, but all praises are due to the woman on the other side of the umbilical cord who birthed me. She gave my souls a new journey, a new path, so I right the wrongs of my past to evolve to become better than my dad, because every day I pray to evolve so my legacy lives on, beyond my time here on earth to inspire truth with my words, because I've seen too many pupils die late or die too early. The system has cataracts in need of surgery. If I rule the world, I'd set it free, eradicating tyranny, abolishing the fear of world peace, because some rich folks fear giving up a piece of the pie. Like boys in the hood, we die to get there when they drive by. We get the rear view in hindsight, because black murder is always sour in the limelight. Appreciate that, man. Peace and love. You Peace got it right love. there, Randell. Man, that's crazy. So we're definitely going to tap in. Next episode is the season finale. Be sure to subscribe on all platforms and to get exclusive content and first access to this spoken word, subscribe. So checking out Twin GQ with Randell. Peace. Mm -hmm.